0: Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at EarSports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casazza. Welcoming back from, well, mostly Newark, but also a little bit of time in Italy. Chris Anderson. Uh, Chris, do you own an airline
2: now? Uh, I do not. I wish I did because I don't think I don't know if you saw my post about it, but the same day that my flight got delayed eight times to leave Newark. The CEO, I think it was, hmm. of Newark was also, or of United was also there at Newark. And instead of sitting with the rest of us, plebs waiting for a plane, he hopped on his own private jet to make sure that he got to his family vacation over the weekend and, and flew all the way to Denver on his own at the same exact time. So it's there, it, there might've been a riot in Newark. It, it ended up not being as bad for us. It was very frustrating for my wife and I, because our flight was, it was, it, I think we ended up only being delayed like a few hours and then they made up some time in the air. So we landed just like a few hours late, but it was one of those where it's like, yeah, it's delayed 30 minutes. Not a big deal. That's delayed 45 more minutes. That's delayed 45 more minutes. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Start lining up. Let's get ready to board, boarding group one and two. At, we're delayed 45 more minutes and just on and on. It delayed a total of eight times for several hours, you know, all just 45 minutes, one hour, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, very, just a very, very frustrating travel. Do
0: You have, um, I'm not, I'm not saying, are you partial to certain airlines, but do you have airlines that you won't do or you prefer to, or, or cities that you just try to avoid? Cause I, I definitely have one of each in combinations and I'm staring at one this weekend that I'm very worried about.
2: Uh, Newark has always been one that I hate, but I've only flown through there uh, a few times. And the last, Two times, you know, this trip obviously was not great. And then the time before that, we were flying to a wedding that was in New Hampshire and we had a connection in Newark and we landed with an hour and a half before our connection. We had no check bags because we're just going for the weekend for a wedding and we couldn't get off the tarmac. They couldn't get us to a gate and we sat on the tarmac for an hour and a half, knew knew that we were there for a connection, wouldn't hold it up for a few minutes to get us on the plane. And then we were stuck in Newark and had to get switched over to a flight to Boston several hours later, and then rent a car in Boston and drive up to New Hampshire from there. And I was just again, United in Newark. And it's just a bad combination for me personally. I've, um I've flown
0: American forever. Like since I became a beat writer, I got a, well, it was a us air account and credit card and then us air bought American, but they branded everything American. And that should have been a sign. That should have been a sign to get out. But like, I've been that customer forever. Um, Philadelphia and American, for whatever reason, is a poisonous combination for me. And I'm flying to Charleston from Pittsburgh via Philadelphia, and I'm petrified of like missing a wedding this week, even though I'm going to be there way ahead of time. It's because I I just have bad experiences. Not necessarily an airline thing, but the combination because they run so many things through Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a hub. That's bad news sometimes, too. Um, Speaking of bad news, segue. We're here on a rapid reaction, Chris because we have just gotten our hands on the Big 12 preseason poll. Uh, No drumroll here. Not that it's a surprise or even that it's something we're celebrating, but the West Virginia University Mountaineers are in 14th place out of 14 teams. This is a uh, smack in the back of the head for a program that does not need it, for an athletic department that does not need this right now. I, I, I just there's not a whole lot I can say about just how dire things are at the moment and how hard it is to get out of this. It's it's for basketball. It's for football. It's going to take time and a whole lot of resources um, that maybe people don't want to devote or expend. Um, I guess the good news here can only go up from the basement um, unless you want to hang out in the basement. And I don't think the Mountaineers do the trouble is they've been kind of moving their stuff down to the basement for a while. And here they are. Chris, um, it strikes me that it's one thing to be 10th out of 10 in a Power Five conference, um, when you welcome in four more teams and you're 14th out of 14, that's something else. I, I just it surprises me that surprises me that a league that is more familiar with West Virginia than Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, UCF thinks more of those teams a little bit to a lot more. That it, pretty clearly, like by by a 75 point margin, that West Virginia is the last place team in the Big 12.
2: Yeah, that's just stunning to me. Um, because, hey, hey, let me ask you this real quick before I get into more of this. Can you, off the top of your head, tell me? I I know the answer, but because I just looked it up. Where was West Virginia? What did West Virginia finish out of ten teams last year in conference play?
0: They were tied for seventh.
2: Yep. Okay. Three teams tied for seventh: West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas, and and. and I think we can all agree that last year was somewhere between bad and a disaster for West Virginia football. And now – and they finished tied for seventh out of ten, and now you're telling me they're 14th out of 14 teams. Um, That's shocking to me. Now, get it, they have a tough schedule, but a lot of the, the toughness of that schedule has to deal with the non-conference, which shouldn't have an impact on how you are ranking – this this preseason poll for the big 12 conference so to see them sitting not just as you said 14th out of 14 but way in 14 like not even this isn't even one of those scenarios where it's like hey there's four teams all within like a few point votes of each other and you know it could have been 11th could have been 14th if like a few people change their mind now they are definitively dead last in the entire big 12 conference
0: it's the largest margin between last place and second to last place in the last four polls. Um, and again, there's fodder in Think there for that. that not Think to be about
2: good. that, Mike. Like with Kansas, like, you know, like Kansas, 0 and 10, uh, 1 and 9, Kansas had had more respect leading into seasons than West Virginia is getting right now.
0: The difference between 11th place and 14th place, which is the final four spots, BYU 11, 318. West Virginia, fourteenth, one twenty nine. Right, that's so. Yeah, that's almost two hundred. Uh, my math says one hundred and eighty nine. I believe the difference between first place and fourth place up top, uh, eight eighty six to seven twenty nine. That is one hundred and oh boy, one hundred and thirty seven. So a wider gap at the bottom than the top. Right, that's probably not what you would think. There, you think they should be closer because they're so, um, I don't know, like they're. bottom dwelling teams but maybe the top is going to be competitive here let's um let's i want to do two things chris one i want to go with whether or not this is right and why but also whether or not this is wrong and and why um i think that people would probably like to hear something positive so let's get into this let's assume that it's wrong and west virginia will indeed overachieve here which again wouldn't be hard 13th would be overachieving at this point but in all seriousness, let's say that this is a a middle cluster team or a top half team even, and they know just sometimes that you don't know about a league that's never been aligned like this. Um, maybe people have not looked at the the intricacies of West Virginia's schedule, which I've pointed out, and it's, to me, even seeing where teams are now on the preseason poll, like it's it's not nearly as bad as people think, especially if you take away the Non conference play, but if you look at just the conference schedule, the where the when you know, who a, an opponent plays before, where they play before, who West Virginia avoids in the conference, all that stuff, I, I think it's a more favorable schedule than people are aware of. And if they rolled up their sleeves and they looked at this and said, Wait a minute, they play all these bottom teams, are you kidding me? Because they do, they play BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, that's 11, 12, and 13 in the 14 team conference. Um, They avoid teams at the top of the conference, Texas, Kansas State, um, one and two in the preseason poll. West Virginia does not play them. I believe I'm pretty sure about that. So you see my point here. But that would be where I would lead off as to say that, you know what, they might have gotten this one wrong. West Virginia is better than 14th place. Is that valid? And then what else strikes you as worthy of this conversation as to something, someone that is being overlooked where we look back. Six months from now ago, go, you know, maybe we should have seen this coming.
2: Well, I think. Let me clarify here. When I'm like just saying, I'm stunned that West Virginia is not only 14th, but clearly 14th. I'm not falling for WVU to be like top five. Like I'm thinking, you know, just off the top of my head, I got. I I did not vote in this poll. Um, but if I did, I would have done a little more research than than you know maybe I have right this second. But I'm thinking like West Virginia like ninth, tenth. Like I'm not thinking. Something that's some grand season or anything like that. But 14th out of 14th seems wild to me. Um and Mike, can you you clarify something for me? Mm-hmm. 67 67 media members voted on this, right? Mm-hmm. That was the number I think it said. Yes. What I'm counting here. So if you get last place, you get one point. Mm-hmm. So 129.67. So that means on average, West Virginia, yeah, like it, it, like they're ranked 13th or 14th. Like, you know, you're averaging less than two points per vote here for West Virginia.
0: I, that would be the math of my head. I was trying to do this. I was looking at the, um, so basically I got their average poll position uh-huh. now 12 polls and they were at, I think, like 6.9. So they're typically the seventh place team in the conference every year. This is much worse. But then I was trying to do the average there and I think I got to that. Like they're, they were probably like a 13 at best. Like the average is like, I mean, obviously between 13 and 14 is there 14, but like pretty low. And I I wonder what the outlier or outliers were. I'd love to see that data.
2: Right. And I, I, but I'm, what my point is with 129 points, I'm not sure there are that many outliers. That's, that's what's stunning to me is that because, you know, I say if they, if they had been voted 13th by everybody, 13 out of 14, if my math's correct, that would put them at 134 points, two times 67 votes um so that means almost everybody was like yeah they're 13th or 14th i <laughs> think that's again you can get into this discussion of oh maybe they're 10th 11th 9th but almost everybody to a person was just like nah 13th or 14th and, and that's good <laughs> which is just i i i mean that's you know it's not something west virginia fans want to hear and i think it's going to it's going to be something that is really kind of puts into place of how this program is being perceived at the moment, in you know, because oh man, but I hate to, I don't know if we want to go down this path already. But is this one of those things that happens? And now West Virginia finishes ninth, and then at the end of the year, Ren Baker sitting there going, Look, we got to keep this coaching staff because they were expected to finish last, and they finished ninth, tenth. They exceeded expectations.
0: I, I just don't know how much straw there is to make that man. You know, yeah, like, you, you,
2: like you can't, you can't rely on this poll. I think is what I'm getting at as yeah. far as the expectations for this program, whether that's fair or not, you cannot rely on this poll as expectations. for. This yeah. Season. Like if,
0: if they go one and two in non-conference play and they win four big 12 games and they got to like ninth place. Sweet. You're still home for a bowl game and you still lost to Pitt, Penn state. Um, that's, that's not a great season. So, they're, yeah, they're going to have to make some serious noise here, too. Um, I did this math in my head, and I can share this, this schedule um, analysis here. But if you look at the teams, I had Las Vegas odds. So I did, like, betting odds. And you went from the number one team to the number 14 team in the Vegas odds. Like, Texas had the best odds, one point. Uh, West Virginia had – excuse me, Houston had the worst odds, 14 points. So if you add up the value in the, the, the rank in the Vegas odds for the four teams you do not play, so basically, like if you don't play Texas and Kansas State, which is West Virginia's play, that's three points, right? The lowest totals in the Big 12, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, West Virginia. So by biggest betting odds, West Virginia has the third easiest schedule or at least the third least top heavy schedule in the Big 12. Now that happens when you're not supposed to be good and they're trying to get made for TV games and, and competitive games and games that have consequences. But um, boy, if they can avoid Texas, Kansas State, a, a, a Kansas offense that, you know, stir-fried them last year, and then Iowa State, which is eh, maybe not the best team this year, but has certainly been competitive against West Virginia with that defense the past few years. Looked really good against West Virginia last year, and that wasn't a really good Iowa State team. You know, they might dodge a couple of haymakers here, and all of a sudden, it looks like it's easier. And especially when you play, you know, like I said, the 11, 12, 13 teams the conference, you know, you're playing as teams that aren't supposed to be good. You should be better at that. I just can't get past the schedule being a thing. But then I look at, you know, their offense and their defense, and again, if you look at some of these things here, just talent acquisition, you know, They're not Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's talent acquisition is elite in the nation, never mind the Big 12. West Virginia's is not. West Virginia played some teams that did not have elite or even great talent acquisition. Um, But as West Virginia's talent acquisition, recruiting transfer portal, is that so good that it can overcome some other flaws? Jury's out on that one. I don't think you can give them the benefit of the doubt on that. But now just think about their offense and their defense, and I think a lot of people look at last season's stats to – project this poll. Like I've done these before, too, and sometimes I look at it like, you know what, they couldn't run the ball last year. This is going to be a very good team, something like that. You can you can simplify it if you want to. You you take these polls as serious as you want, and and the opposite is true, too. And I wonder if just the state of West Virginia's offense last year and the rankings and the slide, especially the defense, just made people down on this program and don't account for the fact that they have overhauled that defense with personnel and they've really made it simpler and hopefully they play faster. Uh, the coaches, hopefully, they play faster. And you know they're more effective. And they're out of assignment, all that stuff. But the offense, I mean, if the defense has to be better, then certainly the offense has to be better too, even though there are some major personnel losses. But if this is if this is indeed going to be a running team, then an offensive line anchored by you know the team's only all conference player, running quarterbacks and and at least the fearlessness to run the quarterback because you have a backup that maybe isn't that far from the starter the plethora of running backs. Okay, maybe the tight ends and receivers aren't great pass catchers, but ideally West Virginia isn't going to be leaning on the passing game. A lot has to go right for this to work, but at least there's a plan. And I just think that maybe this catches people off guard and they're not aware of it. Again, 67 people who cover the Big 12 vote on this. I I really wonder how many are West Virginia representatives. Um, I did not vote in this one either. I just missed the deadline, to be honest with you, I think. But that hurts, right? And <laughs> That's like an effect of either you or I did. I wonder how many other people did here. And it's hard to have the minutiae for a team that is like West Virginia. It hasn't been a headline program. It hasn't been a team that you pay attention to unless you have to or want to pay attention to them. And I think this is a team that might catch some people off guard, not on the field necessarily, but onlookers might say, you know, I didn't realize that they were doing this on offense. I didn't realize they had switch this on defense and they got bigger and, and longer and heavier here on defense. They shouldn't be as bad on defense. I think there's potential for that to be better. Top half of the big 12 better. I have my doubts for sure, but I just th- do think that there's a chance for that to, to be like an actual thing that people realize. And again, how dramatic that realization is how effective the changes are for West Virginia. that's not up to me <laughs> and that's not on me if I'm wrong about this, but I think the potential is at least there, which that's certainly what the coaching staff's plan, right? Just to be, Different enough and better enough and the weaknesses to make make strides and make progress and be well frankly be better than last year or else.
2: Let me, I want to put something out there. You tell me this is if this is fair or not. West Virginia went three and six last year in in conference play, beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater at the end of the year with half of their team injured, transferred backup quarterback, third string quarterback. And Oklahoma State finished the season one game better than them in conference play, four and five, under 500 lost the most players in the entire conference to the transfer portal by quite a large margin and is seventh with the first place vote. I, I don't know what that means, but I'm wondering how people are looking at this because there, there are some votes in here that I'm just staring at. Like, how are we, how are we arriving to that? And, and Oklahoma state, Finishing seventh and 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 having a first place vote is certainly one of them. Yeah, who gave Tyke Bundy from Stillwater a vote? <laughs> Never heard of this guy before. I'm gonna have to look you, know up for him. It, it. It. On a related note, and I wanted to bring this up for comparison purposes. Last year's preseason poll. You remember who was uh, who was number one in the preseason? <laughs> I do. Yes. Baylor who finished under 500 in conference play. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was number two, finished three and six in conference play. Oklahoma state was number three, who finished under 500 in conference play. Then you get to Texas and Kansas state who finished third and second respectively. I TCU finished was seventh in the preseason poll, poll obviously won well the league, but that, Here we go again with the Oklahoma state. I hope this is the same person who did this vote because Iowa state had a first place vote last year and finished dead last one and eight in league play. Uh, Pat Mamble
0: had the vote that year too. It's that at large vote. Yeah, that's a curious one. The only thing I could think of here, and I think this does matter is that Mike Gundy has a lot of equity with the media because his teams have been so consistent for so long. Um, is it going to happen again? Well, maybe. And I think the knock on Gundy is that maybe his teams don't have the quality win, or like when you no, know, when the money's on the table, what happens? You know, they can't beat Oklahoma, so on and so forth. And I get that, but they're still getting nine and ten wins, and and five and six wins in the conference every year. So yeah. that'll be that. That that goes some distance, I'm sure. And the first place vote can't explain that. I just don't see the motivation for that one, but. Man, Chris, six teams got a first-place vote. Six. And what strikes me here is not that Texas is number one. I'm pretty sure that was foregone. And maybe not even that Kansas State was number two. Um, I, I really like what that team has done, especially some of their, their low-key additions. And, and even some development of players, too. Uh, but look how close the voting is for first and second place, despite a huge gap in first-place votes. So, like, first-place votes, Texas. Forty-one Kansas State, 14 points, Texas, 886, Kansas State, 858. That's pretty narrow. So I wonder like how many outliers of the, the, let's see, 26 people who didn't vote Texas number one, where did they go? And then also I would imagine a lot of those 26 um, accounted for Kansas State's 14 first place votes or had Kansas State above Texas and in, in some other order there too, so. Listen, competitive. And when you look at the top four here, Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, um, TCU, pretty good team last year. That's fifth place, but just by two points behind Texas Tech. Um, So again, like we mentioned that difference between 11 and 14, uh, the difference between one and five is just 150, 149 points. So should be close, should be competitive. And of those five teams, they all got at least three first place votes too. So I think we expect that to be the case. Um, Let's flip the coin here, Chris. I guess it comes up tails. Uh, why is this right? We've made a case that maybe it could be better and maybe West Virginia is better than, you know, for example, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, teams that just are not, they're they're a group of five teams. They are, at least for a year. They're not used to this. This is going to be a hard, it's going to be a drain on them for sure. But what if it's right and West Virginia is indeed 14th or they deserve to be 14th? Explain to me why that is the the proper position for them.
2: I'm with you, especially the group of five thing. And this was something that I've told, you know, I have popped on with a couple uh, BYU guys on the radio and stuff with, with some of these new teams coming in, and they asked what the biggest difference is, and I said it's just the slog of conference play. Like when West Virginia was in the Big East and they could beat these big-time programs like Georgia, like Oklahoma, you could beat them in one-off games because your starters were as good or as special or had the potential to be as the other team starters. But it was once you got to the 14th, 15th, 25th, 30th kind of guys where you really struggled and that's what's most important in conference play. So that's one last reason. I know you told me to flip, flip the coin here, why I'm just stunned that West Virginia is 14th out of 14. But when you just have all of this negative momentum with the program, uh, with, with what has happened the last couple of years and into the offseason with the top league play, I mean, some of those games were barely even competitive in a couple of these losses. Um, which was a change because that was something you and I had discussed about. I think you had done some research on it and, and shared uh, some stats of it about how West Virginia was at least competitive in some of their losses, even in the the early years of the Neil Brown era um, that seemed to flip a little bit last season. And I think some of the shine came off um, even with you finishing with wins over Oklahoma and at Oklahoma state in two of the last three games. Um, I, I just think, It's almost like the stuff that's happening off the field or with the coaching search and the AD. It almost feels like that's having an impact on some of the way that these guys are voting and viewing this program and what's going to happen this season. Almost like they're predicting an implosion, if you will.
0: Anything else surprised about the poll?
2: Any teams? Any trends?
0: I can go through the top 14 here if you'd like, but maybe before that, I don't know, just something that stands out to you.
2: Um, I'm trying to think, I was trying to pick a team that wasn't in like say that those first couple. I mean, it's a little different this year because, as you noted, it's it's spread out some of the votes because last year, uh, you know, the the regular season champs from the past like three years started the preseason poll seventh, third, and fourth. So it, it is possible, maybe even likely, that the team that ends up winning the regular season championship this season is not the team that sits atop the poll, and that's Texas but it's so spread out that it's a little difficult to be like hey I got a dark horse for you right here um is this where I bring up how you picked TCU dark horses for like seven straight years until last year and then last year was the year
0: I am the guy in roulette who just plays red red red
2: and I'm going to be right eventually right uh but who, who you got to be? All right, you you take that that uh uh play for me Give me well, somebody outside of the top, like two teams. Well, that I think it's going to win.
0: The two names that really surprised me for different reasons. I'm surprised that UCF is up at eight when you look at where the other newcomers are, and I'm surprised that Kansas is down at nine when you look at that offense coming back and they have the player of the year, they have a first team running back, they have a good offensive line. They're ninth, and I granted eight and nine are separated by two points, and then nine from eight, excuse me, nine from seven is just nine points. So basically, seven, eight, nine are pretty similar, but. You know, Kansas is close to a top half team, and you figure they should be maybe in the top half when you look at it. But also, what makes UCF so good? Um, I'm I'm starting Chris to to drink a little bit of the the, the Kool Aid um, for a team in Texas, but Texas Tech. I just I think they got the quarterback situation right, and they're they're going to be good on defense. It looks like that's a good home field advantage. There's a great energy there. Um, I like their schedule too there there's a chance that they're at there at the end we're looking at this like i probably should have seen this coming if there's gonna be a team that rises now granted from four to one that's not a great leap but i just i, I like a lot of this i like a lot of the things i've seen and heard and read about what they've done this off season and how they position themselves that offense is a bear to play if they're rolling, if they have a good defense and that offense is even better but man if they get a bunch of games out of tyler's show it, it, he's he's been very good for them seven and no when he played last year i think that's ridiculous um can they get that going i don't know we'll see
2: I like it. I, it. Again, if you were asking me to pick somebody outside of the top top two, because I'm I'm not sold on on Kansas State, um, and um, <laughs> Texas is back joke. Enter it here. Um, but if you told me I had to pick somebody outside of the top two, uh, like I like Texas Tech a lot more than TCU, and I don't want to say Oklahoma is a boring pick, but I kind of like the way that Texas Tech um, is put together, and I don't really care for kind of how, to be honest, how Oklahoma finished last season. And so I would, I would tend to um, go with go with your pick, Mike, and, and say Texas Tech is that team to watch outside of the top two.
0: Sorry, five and zero oh in games he started. Um, they were seven and ooh, six and one in games he played. Pretty good. Um, finally, let's, let's, um, let's switch to basketball, Chris. We have not talked since you went to Italy briefly. Um, a lot's changed dramatically. We only have a couple of minutes here. And I think that maybe that's probably sufficient for a lot of people, but this, um, I think just to put it politely, this is going poorly. And I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be hard for this to be smooth. And it's proving to be every bit as difficult as people imagine. They might pull this out of the fire. They might iron some things out. But it's going to take something, I mean, part near Herculean to do that. And I just i just wonder about the resolve and the constitution of a lot of the the key heavy lifters here to make this work.
2: Yeah, when I left, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I thought right before I left was when they announced Alert as the as an interim. I thought, all right, there's a little bit of stability. Shouldn't be too crazy while I'm gone. Um, that should kind of hold things down. Uh, Maybe there's a surprise coming, but it seemed like the guys who just came in, uh, the Creesa, I think Creesa might've gone public saying he was sticking around like right, right as I was leaving. Um, So I was like, all right, he's good. Sounds like Edwards is good. Um, Maybe everything's going to be okay. And, And I had heard from, I would say borderline capital P person, that the holdovers, the guys that were originally on the roster, the guys that were, you know, the Wagi, Azonkwo, um, Toussaint, those guys that they weren't threats to leave. And you know, I don't know if I don't think we ever reported it because I didn't even feel it was worth reporting. Um, but that was a person who's usually pretty tuned into what's going on around the program. So I was I was stunned when I came back, and and it seemed like You know, even those guys, those guys that I thought were, you know, going to stick around and wanted Eilert there. And to be quite frank, I thought didn't have a whole lot of options elsewhere. I mean, you're talking about guys that were going to be, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth, or seventh, eighth, and ninth players on the roster. Um, And and they're finding homes at Alabama, UNC, uh, Texas Tech. It's kind of wow. All right. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of stunned about what all went down with the roster as I was, as I was going.
0: But just going back to the things that I had heard about what was going on behind the scenes. And, and again, like I've made this analogy, like the players stormed the cockpit on Thursday of the coaching search week and went to Ren Baker and then Baker kind of realized, you know what, I, uh, I have like an uprising here, maybe need to meet with the players again. So I had like a couple meetings on Thursday, but I don't think they ever said we're only going to play for Andy Kennedy or Josh Eilert. I think they said, "Listen, we want to play for someone that'll keep this group together. We want to do something that we've been working toward, and we are brought here to do. Whether that's an honor of Huggins or whether that's an honor of the transfer portal, who knows? But like, that's the message that I think that they were trying to put across. There, you would think that Josh Isler would be somebody that they'd be happy with, but I just this is—I mean, this does another reason that you do not let players one, you don't give them info, and two, you just can't let them dictate things. And they—I don't think they did here." I think Baker probably came to the realization that it was going to be difficult no matter what, you know, it'd be difficult to find a coach who was going to listen. They're going to have to hire a replacement sooner or later. And I don't think they wanted to reroute that just because they got rerouted. I don't know if that makes sense. But like, Hey, we have a plan to eventually replace Bob Huggins. Let's not let this hurdle completely stop the race. Let's figure out a way, you know, over under around this. And then, you know, they're trying, we'll see how it goes. But even in the news conference with Baker and Eilert. Baker kind of said that the idea of the players were pushing for things was overplayed a little bit and that, you know, maybe the message out there wasn't quite what um, was the reality. Surprise, surprise, right? Funny how sometimes all the reporting out there can kind of skew things a little bit. But when you look at the players who went in immediately after, um, for example, Wagi and Oconcourt are post players. Chris, who was the post coach last year? Eilert. Josh Eilert. You think they'd be partial to him, right? So I just wonder how much of that was actually a thing. And I think that, you know, once they realized that Mitchell was gone and Tucson was like, you know what, I can become a starting point guard somewhere if Kreese is staying. Well, then all of a sudden, two players who are popular, like two teammates who people like, they're gone. And it's hard to stay together. That might not be so much of a we don't like this coach thing or this isn't the guy we want thing. But if you want to stay together and you're not together, then the incentive to stay together is no longer there. And then you pull that string enough. And all of a sudden things begin to unravel and you're where you are right now. Um, They're, they're going to lose a lot of players here. Like they've already lost Mitchell and Tucson and Wagi. Okonko isn't even taking business until the end of the month. It looks like he's doing stuff with the great Britain under 20 team. Uh, We'll see if he makes that team, but they start playing. Hell, he may have already made the team right now. I haven't caught up my Okonko news this morning, but they start playing this weekend and it's like a 10 day tournament. And he's planning on going to UNC on July 24th. How long is West Virginia going to wait around? Granted, they have such a hold to Phil right now. They might be able to hold out for him because he would be better if he returns and probably some replacement that is a second or third big that they bring into the roster. So you could be patient there, but I just don't know how they, how they un how they unravel this. I don't know how they wind this back up to be as tight. Um, Might've caused a little stir online about saying that they have something big. Here's, here's what I meant by that. they, I was told from a couple of people here, I would say reliably so that they, they have a big plan coming up and they want to make a big splash and they want to wrap it up this weekend. Um, they have some players coming in. You can read about that online. I'm not sure that qualifies as big as far as like big names and make you go. Oh, wow. But I, I do think the more I've talked to people, they they are looking to upgrade that four position and they think they can get it done this weekend here. Now, can they, has the messaging changed? Has the reception on the other side changed since more players have gone to the portal since maybe the word has gone out about what's going on here and how this may actually unfold during the season because it doesn't look as promising as it did 10 days ago, never mind 10 weeks ago. Um, the work's going to be hard now, but they brought back Jay Koontz. and guess what, man? It's time to let him cook. You got to let him go, and he's got to earn his paycheck now too because this is um, this is like part two of, 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 a, of a process for him that he's said and he's got to fix, and I just – we'll see. Um, they're out on the road recruiting right now, and Chris, can you imagine going to like the Peach Jam right now and trying to recruit kids?
2: Crazy. That's where Jordan McCabe's going, right?
0: Well, you know why? Because that's the most recognizable dude they have. Um, yeah. Those high school players recognize him. And that, that was pointing out to me because I thought that he would not go out recruiting because he had no chops to do that. And someone said, Mike, that's the only guy that the players will recognize. And that's a really good point. I had not thought of that.
2: We're officially old if that's the only guy they recognize off that staff right now.
0: Yeah. It's like Deshaun walking around like a walker. <laughs> Does no one know who that is? He makes big shots. He told everybody that on national TV once. So, but such is life. Right now, they're going to have to improv and improv and improv again. Uh, closing thoughts, Chris. We have about a minute. I'll give you most of that. State of affairs.
2: No, I think you covered it all. I, I'm again. They got they got to get this thing together. There aren't a whole lot of options. But most importantly, and I, I don't want to be dismissive of of other guys that are leaving, they kept the three best players on the roster and Edwards, Creasa and battle. Those are the three best players on the roster and they're still there. So there's still something. So that's my, that's my last thought. Leave it to the, the situation be defined by
0: the NCAA. The NCAA can bail everybody out by giving West Virginia a waiver. The NCAA can be the bearer of good news. Let that mm-hmm. sink in. We'll talk about it more next time. Until then I'm Mike
2: Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. This is Tony
0: Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.